Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another thrilling episode of JavaScript Jabber. My name is Steve Edwards. I am the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mime, but you're stuck with me. I'm still your host. Today on our panel, we have coming live from Tel Aviv, Dan Shapir. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing really well. Tel Aviv has great weather as usual, a bit on the hot side, but you know, we have air conditioning, so no complaining. Awesome. And also AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from a the harbor freightosphere harbor freightosphere care to explain i've been discovered harbor freight i'll pick ah, yes yes they're a great place for tools i i have one near me as well uh and our guest our very special guest is felix aren't felix or felix depending on what part of the world you're in aren't how you doing felix good good thanks for having me i'm excited to be be here with you all righty hey folks this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So before we get going into the topic of the day, why don't you uh, give us a little background on yourself, Felix, who you are, what you do, why you're famous, and so on, and your other affinity for things that I like to Oh, yes. Okay, first of all, I'll go the other way around because the most important thing about me is that I like dad jokes and also very bad puns. <laughs> okay, now about my actual background. Um, I'm... Uh, and, and, sorry, I need some applause for that. <laughs> and before I forget, just so everybody knows, we have a studio audience. How are you doing, everybody? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Didn't Thank Dan you very much. warn you about overdoing it there, Steve? No, he only warned about too many rim shots, not sound effects overall. Okay. So. Okay. All right. All right. So now, Felix, now that we've established the crowd, uh, the rest <laughs> of it. Yeah, I'm a developer relations engineer currently at Google. I'm, I've been working for Google since almost four years now. But before that, much longer than that, I've had a background in uh, the WordPress community. So, the, yeah, I've been work contributing to the WordPress CMS core since 2015. And yeah, I've especially spent a lot of time during university in, because I liked contributing to WordPress a lot more than working for the university on, on all the learning for university stuff. <laughs> so that was the time where I really started to contribute a ton to the, to the WordPress project. And yeah, I've been involved ever since. And now also doing that as part of my job at Google. It's That's what really I was going to ask you. That seems odd that, sorry, Dan, oh, go we're going to talk it. about WordPress performance. And I wasn't aware that, I was wondering how you tied in WordPress with Google, because I wasn't really aware of, of Google and WordPress being related or used together or anything. How does, how does that work or how are they related? Yeah, so yes, so Google is essentially established a WordPress-focused team 
in 2018. The, the idea is that, of course, like we, we the, the Google wants to contribute to the, the WordPress project to make it make it easier to build performant WordPress sites and sites with good user experience, which essentially benefits Google Search as much as it benefits the WordPress project. So essentially, the interests of Google and WordPress there are going in the same direction. Now, do they do work with any other CMSs? And the reason I ask this is that I came from the Drupal world myself. So, you know, a similar stack based. And I know that Google Summer of Code, most every year would have some people that were dedicated to contributing things to Drupal. And there were a number of people who came into the Drupal world and other modules, uh, plugins, as you would say in WordPress speak, that came out of uh, Google Summer of Code. So I'm curious to see, is it is it just WordPress and from a CMS standpoint, or are there other CMSs they try to become involved with as well? Uh, no, overall, so our team is primarily focused on WordPress, but Google overall has different teams that are Focus on other CMSs. I think from an from an engineering perspective, it is mostly yeah contributing to open source CMSs. But there's we also have um, partnership teams, for example, that work with the um, proprietary CMSs. And I have I personally have also been I have not actually contributed code to any other CMS, I believe. But I have also been involved with talking to people from Joomla, Drupal, Typo three to name some examples where we've also through my job at Google, where we basically have advised the contributors to those platforms on, on certain topics. Yeah, I'd like to mention that during my time at uh, Wix, because I, I used to work at Wix on web performance up to about nine months ago. So during our time at Wix, we had collaboration ongoing with Google. We had, like you said, teams that were responsible for outreach to like introduce us to new technologies coming out of Google, best practices, tools, etc. Obviously, nobody from Google actually contributed to Wix's code that was obviously implemented by Wix employees. But there was a lot of information exchange, both, like I said, people at Google tell informing people at Wix about technologies, best practices, uh, fe new features in the browser and search, etc., and people in Wix giving back feedback about those features and capabilities or things that we would have would like to see changed or enhanced or improved in, in the Google ecosystem. I also, another thing that I want to mention is, I, I've said it before when we talked about uh, in those episodes about Core Web Vitals, where we spoke about why it is that Google introduced Core Web Vitals and why it is that Google cares so much about web performance. Now, obviously, this is conjecture on my part. I can't say for sure, having never actually worked at Google myself. But it seems to me that the good, of, luckily for us, the good of the web kind of coincides to a significant extent with Google's own financial benefit because Google makes money from people seeing ads on, on the web. So the more people are on the web, the more ads they see, the more searches they conduct, the more Google benefits financially. And for that purpose, Google wants the web to be a pleasant place to be on. And that includes also, obviously, in terms of accessibility and, and performance and security and whatnot. And so it's luckily for us because then Google promotes and pushes all these agendas. Yeah, absolutely. That's I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> 
So you're saying that from day one, you joined Google to work specifically on WordPress or WordPress-related projects, or are you also doing other things at Google? So I know I became, so I was specifically hired for this new WordPress team. I think initially, like initially it was more, it was more general CMS for open source CMS focused there, but still even, even at the very beginning, there was a focus on WordPress largely because it has it has the largest market share of the open source CMSs. And yeah, so basically the, the other members of the team for which I was hired, most of them I already knew as well <laughs> through the WordPress community. So that was very cool. So we all were hired to work on different WordPress projects. So that meant contributing to WordPress core, but also work on, for example, WordPress plugins that Google was interested in uh, us in working in. So I have personally been the lead lead engineer for the uh, SiteKit, Google SiteKit plugin. I can explain that a little bit more if you like. This is yeah, um, sure. This is, a, uh, this is a essentially Google's flagship plugin for WordPress. It the it makes a lot of the Google tools that are beneficial for site owners available directly in WordPress. So, for example, Search Console, Google Analytics, AdSense. Tag Manager, and there are a bunch of there are a few more PageSpeed insights, and we're fairly regularly adding new modules. Like, I mean, not all the time, but maybe like once one module per year or so. So those are different. It it essentially allows you to view all the stats for those services that help you succeed on the web as a site owner um, inside your WordPress dashboard. And the other benefit there is that it makes it very very easy. I would argue easier than any other way to set it up to set those tools up. Like there's this is I think this is one of the only tools in in an open source CMS where you just have to click through some buttons and rather than copying and pasting JavaScript JavaScript code snippets, which one of our primary goals with this product was that this all goes just through some clicks and there is no need to touch code. Now going back to the importance of WordPress in general, which kind of uh, informs Google's view on WordPress and why it's important to Google as well. You know, we are in a podcast about JavaScript. Many of our listeners use the latest and greatest JavaScript tools, uh, both on the front end and on the back end. WordPress is obviously implemented, at least on the back end, in, in PHP rather than JavaScript. Why is it that our listeners should be should care about WordPress? And specific, or or why should people who use the web care about WordPress? And you know, I think a lot of our listeners may not be totally aware of how significant WordPress usage still is in the web today. Yeah, I think it's it's just that WordPress is one of the largest single kind of entities, or or that are a major part of the overall web. Like today, WordPress sites make up above forty percent of basically the web according to whatever there are different ways to there are different stats sources for these stats of course but this one is the commonly used one for from the wordpress perspectives these w3 texts from there it says that yeah wordpress is basically about 40 percent of the web so while wordpress is more than it's about 50 years old no 15 sorry while wordpress is about 15 years old at this point it's still has been significantly significantly growing in the past few years. And while the technical foundation is because of that fairly old and not necessarily optimal, there yeah, it has such a big influence on the web overall that we yeah, 
I, I personally care about trying to make it trying to make it faster and giving a better user experience. One statement that I really liked is that while JavaScript uh, developers think about which framework to use, then PHP developers think about which Lamborghini model to purchase. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of demand for that. And I think another, and and again, talking about fra- JavaScript frameworks, I think that another way to look at how ubiquitous WordPress is in the web even today is the fact that according to the data in the HTTP archive, the number of WordPress websites outnumbers React websites by approximately five to one. So, you know, and React is undoubtedly the king of the hill among JavaScript frameworks. So I think the the only JavaScript thing that probably out outnumbers WordPress is jQuery. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I think WordPress is, is so far ahead of any other JavaScript-based platform that it's unlikely to change anytime in, in the near future. Yeah, and I'm, I'm personally, like I said, I have, I have been personally invested in the WordPress space just based on my own interest for several years. And yeah, my own, like this, this, uh, this project has, uh, has given me so much, like both personal relationships, uh, job opportunities and the contributing, yeah, contributing to, to that uh, project for me is very important. And I, want to want to also keep it keep it successful and keep it make it more successful hopefully and yeah improve improve the web as part of that so you're more of a php developer than a javascript developer these days from my background yes so i have been primarily a php developer um i have been yeah i have been doing more javascript development on specifically on the sidekit plugin for wordpress which is yeah which is react based heavily but yeah, my background is more on the PHP side than in JavaScript, actually. Cool. But of course, today, sorry. No, I said cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, of course, today, of course, today, now that we work a lot on the performance improvements, uh, specifically modern web technologies and how we can adopt some of those in WordPress, there is a, a large front end focus there, of course. So, and while that's not, that's not always necessarily JavaScript. Sometimes it's really just HTML or HTML focus, CSS focus, but because of that, of course, also more involved in in the JavaScript side of things. So, if the evolution of WordPress is similar to Drupal, and I'm sorry to go back to that, but that's just my you know my own experience, and I know it was sort of parallel to WordPress. They obviously started out as when well, I maybe not so obviously, you know, sort of the monolith approach, where it's a LAMP stack with Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP, where you're using PHP templating on the front end. Right. So my initial experience with the templating was just PHP template. And then with Drupal 8, and I don't know where WordPress is, you can explain, they switched over to Twig, okay, which is still a PHP templating. And that was, I spent more hours trying to deal with PHP caching and templating with Varnish or other systems that makes my skin crawl. And so once AngularJS came around, then you started to see first how it was integrated in with your PHP template. So you could have your PHP templating, but you'd have different Angular things integrated in. The the classic example I always saw was weather.com. When they first did, uh, they did a whole, uh, a big Drupal shop down in in Dallas did their site using Angular and Drupal, first AngularJS and then Angular 2 once that revamp happened. And then you started to see the whole headless paradigm come into play. And I'm not sure how it was for WordPress. I'd be curious to see the history on this. But I know Drupal, Dries was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into it and finally embraced it where you had 
Drupal simply as the back end. And then you could provide an API or data so that a whole JavaScript front end could come in and, and display your data and you could use it. And then, you know, we start, people start realizing, well, you got issues with SEO with the strictly JavaScript front end. Right? Now you have to have, to have server side rendering and you only sprinkle in the JavaScript on the front end as you needed with stuff like Astro or Isles and Vue or uh, things like that. So, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth and as people learn and, and, and so on. Was that a, was, did WordPress go through a similar route where it was all, you know, your monolith to start out and then you break it apart. Now you're sort of, you can do what you need to depending on how much JavaScript you want to use on the front end. Yeah. So I, I think that, so WordPress is still primarily, it uses still primarily PHP templating, templating in the front end, but you can, it, you can certainly now, nowadays it's becoming more, it has become more popular to use a JavaScript based front end, but there is, WordPress does not provide like a clear infrastructure to set that up. So WordPress does provide since I think about five years now, for about five years now, WordPress has had a REST API as part of the core infrastructure, which allows, yeah, getting all the necessary content from, from the client side and rendering it client side. But there, as part of the core project itself, there isn't necessarily a big push or infrastructure being prioritized to, to facilitate, uh, yeah, to facilitate those, uh, decoupled front ends. With that said, there are a lot of community projects focused on that. Yeah, one of them is a co- project called Frontity. I'm not closely familiar with that, but there are dif- different, very success- fairly successful and popular community projects which um, allow allow you to create a um, decoupled front end using uh, WordPress. I'd like to mention, for example, that the company that I currently work at, Next Insurance, uh, we actually are using WordPress as a headless CMS for our public website and actually rendering the HTML itself using Next.js uh, from Vercel. And one, there are several motivations for that. One of them, by the way, being performance, but and others being just the ability to customize the user interface and construct sophisticated UIs using JavaScript rather than using PHP. But I still, I definitely still think that the vast majority of WordPress websites out there don't work that way. The, 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 as far as I know, the vast majority of WordPress websites out there still use essentially the same architecture that was used in one way or another from almost from day one, as, as far as absolutely. I know. Yeah, absolutely. So if you will, if you look, for example, into the WordPress theme repository, where the official place where you get WordPress themes, there I'm I'm I haven't I have personally never seen any JavaScript based theme there or the heavily JavaScript focused theme there. Of course, there, yeah, you can inject JavaScript where it makes sense into your PHP based theme, into your PHP based templates, but this is, it's not, it's not heavily facilitated from the core project side. So you're, yeah, you're certainly right. There is the, the default, the majority of WordPress sites are not, are not headless. Now, I understand that the, one of the things that you're personally focusing on and in, to an extent maybe even leading in the WordPress community is an effort on, on improving WordPress performance. And really, that's why I'm so excited to have you on our show. As everybody knows, I really care about uh, web performance. At least everybody is usually listens to this uh, podcast. I actually worked on, on, like I said, on web performance for another CMS for Wix for a long time. And I would really 
love for you to tell us about the stuff that you're doing in this context, you know, what brought it about and, and where you're heading with this. Yeah, so absolutely. We uh, started We started really thinking about a WordPress performance team uh, mid or late last year. So, of course, for several years, we have have had noticed that have noticed that the that WordPress is not exactly performing great, especially then with the introduction of core web vitals, it became very, very obvious that uh, other other CMSs, including Wix, were outperforming WordPress. And and we at Google, we thought that yeah, we need to do something. We need to do something about that. And like, as, as I had mentioned before, our team was has always been heavily focused on WordPress, but there has also been another a focus on other CMSs. But at that point, we, as a as the small Google team that we are, we really decided at that point to go full steam on contributing to the WordPress core project. And we wanted to establish, we st- started talking to other stakeholders and companies contributing to the WordPress project to establish performance team. So, uh, and we want, the goal was to really make performance a focus. So it, it, it's kind of mind blowing, honestly, like when you look at WordPress, there has been for years, like an accessibility team, a security team, which makes complete sense, but there has not been a performance team until last year when, when we like our, the Google contributors in our team and other, other, a few other people from other companies, they started establishing this team. So that's kind of, so that's kind of how how we got how we got to that point. And I assume that this team now is not just you people from Google, but also people from other companies or open source contributors, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it started as a it started as a collaboration with from yeah contributors from Google, contributors um, from Yoast, Tenup, and XWP. There's also different different other companies in the WordPress ecosystem. And yeah, since then it it was it was well, yeah, it was much uh, embraced. As soon as we published the first proposal for this team, we got a ton of positive and excited feedback from various people in the community. So then shortly after we kickstarted weekly meetings, um, those always happen on Slack for the WordPress project. So yeah, a ton of people joined from other community, uh, other from other companies, but also individual contributors. And yeah, today, uh, there are about like 500 people or so in this in this Slack channel, and a lot more. Yeah, a growing growing number of contributors is collaborating on working on different features. How involved is uh, Automatic as the de facto leader in the WordPress ecosystem? So the Automatic, uh, or the I mean, overall the project leadership of WordPress of the WordPress project has been very supportive of this effort. Uh, we have. Yeah, we have a few automatic contributors uh, among the yeah in the in the group, and yeah, so we have. But but so overall, it has. Uh, yes, they've also been contributing. They've also been contributing to the team, but they're also they're heavily focused still on the editing experience of WordPress, which is kind of the which is definitely the highest priority for the overall WordPress project. The the uh, the editor of WordPress, which is called Gutenberg, that's been the biggest push in the in recent years. And so we kind of we're kind of really trying to yeah establish this establish this performance team. We have or we have tried to establish this performance team over uh, recent years and uh, in the last year, and we got so we have gotten basically the support from the pro- WordPress project leadership, which which is in in huge parts um, automaticians. And uh, since actually June this year, 
we also made this, the, the performance team became formalized as an official team in the WordPress project. So, so far, Automatic has, has, has given some engineering resources to the project. Um, but most importantly for us, they have been supporting our efforts and um, they're appreciative that this team exists. Cool. Now, you know, speaking from my personal experience uh, of having worked on the performance at Wix, yeah, it was an enormous challenge because Wix is a large company involving a lot of developers working on a lot of different uh, projects. They have different priorities and, and, you know, they need to provide their deliverables and it uh, it's used on a wide variety of platforms and all uh, you know various networks around the world etc 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 so i i know how challenging it was for us to get the entire organization and the service that it builds moving in the right direction and and it and it was a significant effort and involved in a lot of um uh, uh, you know, pushing and prodding, including from uh, upper management, effectively making it a directive for the entire company to improve performance as a top priority. Given all that, I can only start to imagine how difficult it is to achieve something like that in the context of uh, uh, an open source project like WordPress, especially one that's so widely widely used and runs on so many different platforms in almost an, a limitless amount of configurations. So, you know, how are you dealing with that? How are, you know, how are you going to climb that Mount Everest? Yeah, this is indeed uh, one of the, the, this is indeed the greatest, greatest challenge with WordPress. There is, it's, it's a very, it's a completely, it runs in a completely uncontrolled environment. So people could have, yeah, free hosting or $500 a month hosting. There's, there's, so, there's so many different variables, but the, but the one of the, and one of the virtues, well, one of the blessings, but also a curse of WordPress is that it wants, it's, it, the, one of the primary project philosophies is that it should be compatible kind of everywhere. So that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons why WordPress is so popular that, that it's, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't just break, but that's also a challenge, especially when it comes to performance to, to find solutions that, to find solutions that advance, that advance performance, but at the same time, don't leave, don't break older experiences where a certain, let's say, web technology is not supported. So we, I think it really, it really just needs a lot of, yeah, like you're saying, it, it really needs a lot of pushing and trying to convince, um, other other core developers to um, yeah that certain features are a good idea, but also it takes a lot of thinking to how 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 can we how can we implement a feature in a way that it doesn't that it doesn't regress or that well that it doesn't regress performance of course, but also that that it doesn't break backward compatibility um, in any in basically any environment. Um, yeah, right. talking about uh, accidentally regressing performance, uh, I recall that initially when, when lazy loading of images was introduced into WordPress with the express purpose of improving performance, it actually caused a performance regression because, as I recall, the laziness was basically just applied to all the images 
and it turns out that that's not a good thing to do for the for the primary image or the hero image you actually don't want to specify that it's lazy because that actually causes the browser to do some work before it actually starts downloading that image which delays the download of that hero image which can actually hurt the LCP metric and i know that this has actually been addressed and now that this is obviously no longer a problem with wordpress but that just goes to show that even when you're trying to improve performance you can very easily accidentally regress performance and if you don't have the proper tools to monitor and make sure that you're moving forward you can very easily move back so how how are you like ensuring that you know like assuming that you got the buy in that you want how are you ensuring that people know what to do that they do the right things don't accidentally do the wrong things and or or even do other changes that are supposedly wholly unrelated to performance but accidentally regress performance yeah so the the lazy loading topics that you mentioned that uh, i've i was personally heavily involved in that that was also that was um even before the performance team was established that was definitely a big learning experience so one thing another challenge in the wordpress project has been that historically there has not been there has kind of been an aversion against metrics because it's yeah which but to a degree it makes sense because it's also there's this they, yeah it's it's considered maybe considered as tracking by some people and that is of course privacy problematic and but but um so but we are really we're trying to focus now on yeah really me- yeah measuring the measuring the performance impact before we push features in core which is really the thing that went wrong with lazy loading there so what we are doing what we're doing uh, our pro- primary project as, as part of the as part of the performance team is a wordpress plugin called performance lab which is effectively a set of different all the different features that the performance team is working on inside a single plugin and it's a so-called feature plugin so this all these features that are in this plugin they are intended to at some point be added to wordpress core so this using this plugin allows us to to yeah to establish the yeah confidence before getting a feature into WordPress core and we can refine it in this plugin. And this yeah, right now this plugin is already used on about more than ten thousand WordPress sites. So from those from those sites that use the plugin and use the different features, we can get gather performance metrics and public performance metrics, for example, from HTTP archive or crux through that we can the Chrome Chrome UX report. From there, we can get we can get those metrics that we need to be confident, and it can also be used to further then refine the implementation of the of the feature before we get it into WordPress core. So this is really one of the primary things that we want to yeah, we want to familiarize also the rest of the WordPress community with to do that more. So that's yeah that's something that we're that we're also working on, but one of our primary focuses. So what I'm curious to get into, I'm always a details guy, so I'm curious to see what are some of the performance enhancements you've made with WordPress? And I'm curious to see how much is back-end versus front-end. You know, the one thing I'll ask about right off the bat is I can remember when when Facebook first became a thing and, and they were using PHP MySQL, and I'm guessing they still do. I don't know enough about their, their stack anymore. But one of the things that came out of Facebook was something called BigPipe. And I know that uh, uh, Drupal integrated it. And it was sort of a, a PHP performance or caching 
thing. And, you know, caching is, they say that the two hardest things in computer science are naming things, caching and off cache validation and off by one errors. So I'd be willing to bet that uh, caching plays a large part in performance. Are those some of the enhancements that uh, that you work on? Yeah, so different. So there's, of course, different different groups within the performance team. They focus on different aspects. So there are, there have been some several like kind of minor minor performance improvements on the server side where certain database queries were improved or certain caching was added to certain database queries. Those are all those nitty little things that add up over time. We are we have also been working on the team has also been working on the on certain site health modules. So WordPress has a feature called site health, which is essentially a set of checks that run in the admin backend and alert the site owner of certain configuration problems or suggestions on how to improve improve certain pieces. So while WordPress has to run on basically any kind of infrastructure, we still want to push site owners to to be aware of certain problems. Like if they're running, if their site is running on PHP five six, that's not a good thing. So like those is this is one of the most essential ones. But there, yeah, there are a lot of site health checks. So we are in parallel working on actual like performance improvements in in the WordPress core platform, but also on adding more of those uh, helpful checks to the site health feature in WordPress to make site owners more aware of those problems and also provide them there with actionable guidance as actionable as possible of course because some we try to we always try to find yeah actionable yeah steps that they, that even a non-technical site owner can take which at a minimum is of, is often things like contact your host about this and this and this um or yeah Consider yeah. switching your hosting provider. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly this is exactly the type of thing that we cannot say in WordPress. <laughs> but but yeah, some like we do even allow certain like some hosting providers that are especially specifically focusing on WordPress. Um, we allow like we have integration points so that they can even hide hijack kind of what the what WordPress recommends there. Like for example. Like a couple of years back, we did this. We built this feature which alerts about a too old or insecure PHP version. And back then, we we allowed hosting providers that there there were a lot of hosting providers that had support for newer PHP versions, but they would wouldn't. But for whatever reasons, they wouldn't want to switch that on themselves for the end users because, of course, there's like a certain risk of breakage and so on. So. Back then, we allowed, we provided integration points where hosting, where the WordPress-focused hosting provider could say, "Go to your control panel here and click this button to enable the modern, or more modern, recent version of PHP, for example," which then made it very easy for even someone who has no idea about this to click through those links and enable it. Hey, folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. You know, JD, we were talking just a second ago about empathy, and it seems like a common concept within the programming community. And yet, when we're building features for customers, a lot of times we call it done when it passes CI, deploys, and doesn't give us errors. And that really doesn't seem very empathetic when it comes to our customers because we're not looking at what they're doing. Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at the end of the day, until until your code actually hits the customer, um, you don't really know if it's any good. Uh, you know, everybody uses things in so many different weird and wonderful ways. You can only really debug in production. Um, yeah, I've been there. It's old, done. Yeah. It's not done. Oh, crap. It's not done. <laughs> I got to go fix it. Now it's done. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when we see things like error reports flowing into Raygun, right. you know, a lot of the time it's things where you just kind of go, oh, that was a configuration that as a developer mm -hmm. I, I didn't think could exist, but actually here's an example. And so it's connecting that code to customer and your development team through to real users and their experiences, which to your point, builds real empathy and the best software teams care a lot about how their customers are experiencing their software. Right. It's kind of the feedback from the app, but it's also kind of this meta feedback as we do better, we tend to get less of this negative input back from our customer, which really does reflect empathy. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think to your point earlier about CICD pipelines, like we've done an amazing amount of work as an industry to automate getting to prod really fast. But if you really want to go super fast, you need to close that loop with real-time feedback from prod back to the dev team. And that allows them to do things like fail forward and just do, you know, really leverage that investment in CICD and, and, and it can turn into a real superpower. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to encourage you folks, yeah, set up your CICD, but then go sign up for Raygun. They'll actually give you a free trial and you can get it at raygun.com. One thing that I wanted to mention that's also related to your question, uh, Steve, about whether the problems are more front-end or back-end related, uh, you need to remember that uh, WordPress is uh, essentially what's known as an MPA or multi-page application and not an SPA. So a lot of the performance issues that are commonplace in modern JavaScript frameworks like uh, React or Vue that have to do with stuff like hydration, or rehydration, whatever you choose to call it, and downloading a ton of JavaScript just to get the, the, the website to actually show something and certainly to work, a lot of this stuff is kind of irrelevant to WordPress. WordPress, you in most cases, you know, you obviously can augment the functionality of, of uh, WordPress websites with client-side JavaScript that do sophisticated things. But the, the core logic usually runs in the back end. So, you know, you, you display some content, a blog page, a form, you fill in the form, you post, it goes back to the back end to be handled. And, and that's both a, a benefit and also a limitation. It's, it's a benefit because you're, you, you don't have this problem with a ton of JavaScript that you have to download in order to, to actually have the site work. But it's also uh, a limitation in the sense that you do have to go through this round trip more often than you might like. I'm, so, so that's one thing I wanted to mention in that context. Yeah, we, we, so we are in that regard. We are, um, we are currently starting to like run, do, do more intense like um, PHP profiling on the server side of WordPress. So we have so far been working on, on, yeah, primarily projects problems on the client side actually so in the front end so one of the biggest probably the biggest feature that we've been working on as a performance team has been uh, webp support so when we last year as we established the performance team webp support is was one of the things that immediately stuck out as something that would have a fairly significant impact on front end performance but it would also not not be not be as challenging as other other projects. That, so that seemed like something which would be a good first uh, project to pick up. About one year later, we still have not landed it in WordPress core <laughs> because I, I can also go a little bit more into detail about it. But that's, but we are now very close to um, adding WebP support to WordPress core, which would mean that going forward, when you upload, when end user upload a JPEG image, um, instead a WebP image would get served in the front end. Let me guess, Safari problems? That's yep. Yeah, that's one. That's one aspect there. But it it I think it shows like 
in in an open source ecosystem overall, yeah, pro- the progress on on some of those big features is of course heavily dependent on community feedback and community buy-in, and this can take a long time. And I feel I think that's also yeah, I think that can also be one of the challenges, ex- ex- additional challenges in an open source ecosystem where like you know some like sometimes uh, sometimes you advocate for advocate for this feature and you you write the blog posts and then like six months later suddenly someone someone steps in and says yeah, this is not a good idea or and or this part of the project is this part of the feature could be optimized and then you kind of have to go go back to the drawing board and this has has happened with our our web project a few times which which is a good thing, but just because, just due to the slower kind of frequency where this where this feedback comes in, it can just drag uh, drag itself for a little bit longer than yeah. Now than uh, maybe in a proprietary project. Oh yeah, for sure. That's both the ben- uh, the, the the benefit and the limitation of open source. And on one hand, you got the, the benefit, obviously, being that you got so many eyes reviewing everything you do, and and you got collaboration from from people across uh, so, you know so many industries locations capabilities needs etc but on the other hand like you said it can make the processes much more complicated and and lengthy you know so, some open source projects uh, have been able to like overcome these limitations by having like a benevolent dictator kind of uh, like uh, Linus Trivaldis but uh, it's not always something that's that's doable especially in a project that's so prevalent and so configurable as as WordPress is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go on. Go ahead. One thing that seems to be related to that, at least in my mind, is is the fact that with Word, and maybe it's also worthwhile to talk about what these things are, but with WordPress, you have this concept both of plugins, but also of, of themes that can literally like do anything with the underlying platform. Like I can take uh, WordPress and, and using a theme, as far as I understand, literally, literally turn it on its head. There's almost no limitation to what I can do because a theme, if I understand correctly, is not just about CSS and HTML and maybe a bit of JavaScript to run on the client side. It's also whatever PHP or more or less that I want to add into the system. And obviously when when I do something like that, how can you control what I do? How can you ensure that what is the thing that I do is okay in terms of performance and, you know, also in terms of uh, maybe security and, and accessibility and, and whatnot? What, what process can you put in place to ensure that somebody doesn't install a theme or maybe even just a plugin? And I'm not exactly sure about the technical differences there. So maybe you can talk about that as well but that I don't do something like that and then accidentally break all the good work that you've done in the WordPress core itself. Yeah, so so first of all, the the guidance on plugins and themes is essentially that a plugin should provide functionality, a feature, like certain features, while a theme should primarily provide the, provide the layout and design. With that said, like you're saying, in a theme, a theme historically has also been PHP-based, so you would could technically add anything to a theme. You could also include anything in the theme that you would otherwise put that you are supposed to put in a plugin instead. So there there are certain there are rules on that. There have been guidelines on that basically forever in the WordPress theme repository that you cannot that you must not put 
actual features in a theme. However, there are also other theme marketplaces where this does not apply. And then you get like kind of um, like kind of giant themes that have like 20 features that would normally go into 20 plugins all included in this one theme, which, yeah, which just makes for a very, very complex solution. But it's also the, the, the one of the challenges there that is that it seems very appealing to an end user that has that is just starting out with WordPress because you look for your solution to build this website and then you find this one theme that has everything you want in it. You don't know how good the how how good the quality of that theme is, but it has everything you want rather than looking for one theme and ten different plugins. So th- there is a lot of appeal to those themes, but they also don't follow exactly the guidance, the guidelines that WordPress themes should follow. With that said, because you can because you can kind of do anything in WordPress, it's hard to enforce control of obviously. But there are there are there is already a tool to check themes for certain best practices. And we're in the performance team now. We're actually kickstarting a project to build something like that for plugins to yeah, to really um, highlight performance or sec- performance security and also general plugin development best practices that aren't that are violated by a plugin. This is initially the idea there is initially that this will be just heavily promoted in the WordPress by the WordPress project so that plugin developers um, that follow follow the WordPress WordPress project they um, will be able to set this up for their own plugin development but potentially parts of it could also eventually be enforced when you submit a plugin for example to the WordPress uh, plugin repository. Do you think that's something that could happen? That there'll be some sort of a validation process that, you know, if if a plugin or a theme is not properly validated, then it cannot be included in the marketplace or something like that? Or do you think this is more like likely to be something that's potentially like badge oriented? Like have uh, this theme has been validated by such and such tool and here's the badge showing that and, you know, train people to prefer themes that have that the badge or something like that i'm not sure i'm not sure which one of those ways would be eventually the more realistic one um so my my hunch would kind of be to slowly tighten rules or guidelines and uh through that yeah through that enforce better quality in the long run but i think we're but 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 this is a very it's a very controversial topic in the wordpress in the WordPress ecosystem, just as but just as much as it would be to give some sort of quality indication of plugins, because yeah, part of the yeah part of the project is that it's so easy for everyone for everyone to join. So we're kind of working against to every for everyone to contribute. So we're working kind of against against each other there a little bit, like with trying to enforce quality, but at the same time allowing anybody to contribute. But you would be, at the same time, we also don't want to shame shame developers for not following those best practices so there is yeah there is conflicting incentives there a little bit well i think that you know if you create an, a tool that for example measures certain best practices and gives a passing or failing grade and again not just a grade but to the actual developer hopefully a set of recommendations what they need to do in order to pass once they do pass, I think it's totally legitimate to give that plugin or theme or whatever a badge that indicates success. And then the, you're not shaming anybody because anybody could get that badge. And, if, and it's totally up to you whether you want that badge or not. But, you know, it's like if you have that badge, then you know that then your users know that you, you have certain guarantees 
associated with it. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that Google can do because that introduces potential liabilities, but I do think that that's something that an open source project could consider doing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's a great point. We, so, so far there was, there was a project a couple of years back, which attempted to introduce something in the WordPress plugin repository, which would give some sort of score. And that was heavily pushed back against um, because it would Mm. potentially, yeah, shame on shame certain developers that, yeah, were performing well. But this batch system you're proposing, that sounds, that sounds a lot more, a lot more reasonable. So something that we have thought Yeah, I just wanted to say that to be blunt, even putting aside performance, even for a second, if somebody doesn't follow certain uh, security guidelines and certain accessibility guidelines, in my book, they should be shamed. But that's just me. In my in my book too. (laughs) But and because and those for me, by the way, are more important than performance. Although you you can consider performance an accessibility feature, and rightfully so, I think. But but I I do think that that you know certain things are just must-haves in in the modern web and and I think that anything that can push these forwards, especially again like you said, given WordPress is a huge market share, is is a good thing for the web as a whole. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, looking back at my own experience at Wix, one of the things that mostly contributed to the performance gains that uh, we were able to achieve had to do with the actual infrastructure. Wix, unlike WordPress, you know, you said that WordPress, you can choose your own hosting providers. In in the case of Wix, Wix is its own hosting provider and the only one. You can only, when you build a website on Wix, it it can only be hosted on Wix. Uh, But that enabled us to ensure that we build the optimal infrastructure for the way in which our websites are built and also vice versa to whenever there was a conflict between how the web builder operated and uh, certain optimization strategies that we wanted to employ in the infrastructure we would actually we were actually able to change the way that the builder worked in order to accommodate that given the fact that you cannot really do that in the, given the the fact that you support so many different hosting providers with WordPress, you know how do you overcome that challenge? And and I'll give just a, a few examples. Like for example, in Wix, now all web pages are cached using CDNs as close to the edge as possible. So anybody who builds a website on Wix gets a CDN out of the box. That's not the case for many WordPress websites. They 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 don't get the benefits of a CDN. And without having the benefit of the CDN, it might be that regardless of whatever you do in the core, you won't be able to achieve good core web vitals. So how do you deal with that? Do you like tell people like don't not, you know, you can't say prefer this hosting provider, but you can say something like prefer a hosting provider that provides this kind of a feature or something like that if you care about web performance you know how how are you looking to address this sort of thing yeah i think that's i think that's where primarily we will we will have to rely on on this one the wordpress site health feature to yeah inform the site inform site owners about precisely what you were saying but at the same time we are also um, testing we are we are tr- figuring out trying to figure out right now kind of what what is the hosting impact for example on yeah on different aspects of performance as like as 
on both on the back end, but also in the front end. Like how much, for example, even how much of the hosting provider influences time to first byte versus what is the portion that we can improve by improving WordPress core. And through that, through, through that research, we will have a better idea there on how much we need to, yeah, focus on the hosting side versus the WordPress side. Obviously, what, whatever we can do in WordPress core, we can do as part of this team. But yeah, but there also has to, but also outreach to those hosting providers, to hosting providers has to happen. And yeah, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure that we can, like, again, we cannot re- recommend a specific hosting provider. We can also probably not <laughs> rank hosting providers, but but based on certain performance criteria. But yeah, but we have to, but we're, we're definitely investigating how we can facilitate that more than the site health the recommendations. Two things that I can say in that context are that uh, first, it can really de- uh, change uh, based on the geography of where the site is hosted and where the people connecting to the site are. Like uh, if everybody, if the site is U.S. based and all the visitors are U.S. based, then you know you might do well without a CDN. On the other hand, if your site is hosted uh, in the U.S., but your visitors are coming in from India, and I think you, AJ, once mentioned having that kind of a scenario, then unless you're, you're, you have either data center in India itself or, or preferably also CDN network in India, you're just not going to get good web performance. Well, right. also, uh, okay. it is what it is. I, but it's, it's not. If you're Google, then yes, you can invest in a worldwide infrastructure and the complexity is worth it. If you're almost everybody else, what you're going to do is make your website brittle and slow because you're going to pick some free CDN that you heard about on Hacker News and then it's not going to have any correct region. What people, I guess, when, when we're on the show and we say the word CDN, we often mean something which is content distribution network. But when people that are lay people and junior, mid, even senior level developers here at CDN, what they think about is something completely different. And when you when you try to use these tools that are meant for global scale, the cheapo free versions to run your blog, you just end up with a blog that is slower and fails more often. But here's the thing. WordPress, like it or not, is competing with proprietary CMSs like Shopify, like Squarespace, like Wix. And these provide highly optimized CDNs out of the box. If you built your site on Shopify, if you built your site on Wix, then you get the benefit of a CDN that's been tweaked I won't say to perfection, but very significantly by it's by network by per- highly paid network experts to, to yes, provide professionally network. configured. Yes. And if configured correctly. Exactly. And WordPress has to compete with that in order sure. to, to provide to be on par in terms of performance. And that's exactly the challenge that I'm bringing up is that it, it needs to be done in a sort of a way that it shouldn't be up to the, I don't know, some person that has no CDN experience and know-how like me 
to try to configure the optimal configuration for a CDN for their website just because they build it with WordPress. It, it needs to, it somehow needs to be, I somehow need to be directed towards a quality box solution is what I'm thinking in, in one sure. way or yeah, another. And, and I agree. I just, I just wanted to, as I often have done, just wanted to make the distinction. I agree. If you're going to do a CD in yourself, you're better off hosting on a single server. It'll be faster and have better reliability. If you're going to use some sort of cloud scale solution because you actually have these problems. Remember, people in India are predominantly on feature phones with two and a half G or something. So they're they're not going to notice if your DNS resolution time takes 100 milliseconds longer. They're not, you know, that's. I just, it's just my pushback on CD and all the things. Yeah, but, CD and the right Yeah, but, but people in Australia, for example, will definitely notice a difference if you're using a CDN versus serving their, the, the web page from a server in, the, in, a, in, a, in an AWS center on the West Coast in the U.S. Let's put it this I way. I guess that depends on whether you're using React, static pages, mm-hmm. or WordPress and what caching layers and optimizations are in there. Because if it's, uh, you know, your typical five megabyte react site versus an html page again yeah that's yeah, so sure. conceded conceded point conceded yeah in, i mean in wordpress so we can we can definitely not we cannot deliver this within wordpress core or obviously not within wordpress core but also it's it's a it would be i would question whether it could ever be in one central point like i'm just thinking could there be a cdn in word on configured by wordpress.org for example that powers all the wordpress sites out there i i mean i doubt it um but there the i'm the goal for wordpress would definitely not be to have people self-configure cdns but of, of course a lot of wordpress hosting providers provide cdn solutions and or there there are also certain services web services that inter, that have specifically for wordpress plugins that so, can be used to set that up. So we could recommend to use one of those, for example. What is what does CDN even mean in the case of WordPress? Because I, in the more traditional view, CDN means static assets. Now we've got JavaScript on the edge that's up and coming. Uh, but in the case of WordPress, you got to connect to a database. And if you got to connect to a database, there has to be a source of truth for that database. I know that there's caching layers because a lot of the requests are actually static pages. It's just the static page for convenience. You know, the secretary needs to be able to update the web page, not not have the web dev team update the web page every time. So the secretary can use the web interface that changes the meeting schedule and then publish it. And then that should break some caches and that should get put out to a CDN or something. But but if so, so I guess two things. One, how does that work in the case where somebody is doing an update that the CDN actually gets the update? And two... For, for things on WordPress that are more application-like, where it is a lot of request response cycles with queries where the data is different every time, how does the CDN, how do you choose the CDN or know if the CDN is going to work in that scenario? Yeah, that's, yeah, like, I mean, as you were, as you were saying, like, I think from WordPress, for, for, for the majority of WordPress sites, CDN usage would be about static assets. And yeah, I honestly I don't have that much familiarity with with CDNs <laughs> going beyond that, to be honest. I might so add, AJ, I might, CSS I, file? I might add this, AJ. First of all, obviously, yes. All the static assets, 
should be should be cached. But but beyond that, again, it, it depends on the website. And and Steve did say that you know one of the big challenges in computer science is caching validation. So obviously that's that's going to be a challenge. But the reality is that for the majority of, of WordPress websites, you know, unless you're creating some building, some sort of a highly dynamic store or something like that, you can probably cache something for a couple of minutes at least in a CDN. And and you can also sure. and you can also use something like uh, what's what's the name of uh, uh, state while we validate, where you provide the cache version while you're while the CDN is going to get the, the next version. So this way. You're always updating the CDN in the background while delivering the version that you currently have. So there are very, uh, very, and also you can set up a certain process that when the secretary or the marketing person does update the website, you force invalidate the cache or something like that. So there's a whole bunch of solutions out there. Even if you if you have ten visitors for your website every, or let's say you have a, a visitor your website every minute which is not a whole lot these days, then even if you cache for 10 minutes, you've improved performance for 90% of your visitors just by doing that. So, you know, it, it's not, like I said, it's, it's not trivial. And you probably want somebody who has some expertise configuring it for you, not doing, certainly not doing it yourself, which is exactly one of the big challenges. That level of caching is already built into WordPress, isn't it? Where if a essentially static page is rendered, it can build that page and then serve up that page rather than regenerating it every time. Not it's not it's not built into WordPress core. There is like you need you need, for example, like a plugin or so-called drop-in to have to get full page caching. That's even there's infrastructure in WordPress core to facilitate that, but it's not it's not part of WordPress core. And and even if you did that, that's not necessarily enough because then you're caching on the server, which can be beneficial in order, let's say, to avoid uh, an expensive and lengthy database query or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But it's still better if you can cache it in the CDN that you can get to with far fewer hops from the endpoint device. Right. So why wouldn't, and, and when we say WordPress, there's also at least three different things that we're talking about, I think, because you know, there's WordPress dot com the business there's wordpress the software that is the php software and there's wordpress that's the the interface that people interact with when the layperson is updating the page and they're all kind of just called wordpress but they're kind of three distinct components right i've i haven't like wordpress so wordpress.com i i usually separate between wordpress.com and wordpress well wordpress.org essentially like the software the software encompasses the the interface i think that you're referring to. So could WordPress as an organization not provide a config file that you just, you know, pick DigitalOcean or one of the lesser cloud services like AWS or Azure, GCP, provide a config file that says, okay, here's how you spin up your your CDN, click and go if if you if you want to. Are there not templates that can do that sort of thing that could be provided by WordPress? I think I mean as soon as you're as soon as you're speaking any environment specific thing, then it becomes a challenge because to provide politically. That. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, what about uh, providing a way that people can register their config files? So you say, hey, any host, we're not going to select a host to provide a config file for, but 
here's an example config file. Maybe you could, in any host, give us a config file and we'll host it for, for how somebody could easily get global distribution with this software. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, that's an interesting thought. Though I th- I would argue that, like the majority of hosts that would probably provide that are already offering like WordPress specific optimizations in their stack so that they of course kind of sure. maybe based on the tier what, what the customer picks they already would offer that out of the box. Before we finish, I have another question that I wanted to get through, and and it has to do. So you gave an excellent talk that we will link to. Uh, talking about the work that you're doing, about so how you set up the the steam and and the work that you're doing, you know the stuff that we discussed here, uh, but you know also with with slides, so so that's a benefit. And and you listed again some of those challenges that WordPress has versus the various proprietary CMSs, and we touched on, on I think on all of them in our talk so far. There was one that you didn't mention, and I was kind of wondering how applicable it is because I'm simply not sufficiently familiar with the WordPress ecosystem. So one of the things that the benefits that we had at Wix was that when uh, we made a certain performance improvement to one of the services and we uh, rolled out that improvement, it was uh, instantly applied to all uh, Wix websites. Uh, Nobody had to do any update. They they just got the improvement. And and that is one of the reasons, I think, that uh, the custom CMSs were able to to improve relatively quickly was because they could always ensure that the majority of the users, if not all of the users, and all of the websites were running on the latest and greatest in terms of performance. As per my understanding, that's not the case in WordPress. That means that even if you make a really significant improvement to WordPress core and, and push it out, there are not everybody is going to get it. Is, is that true? Is that the case? Or is there any way that you're looking at to somehow automate the distribution of, of such improvements or at the very least make them much easier for people to get? Yeah, so so WordPress, yeah, so that WordPress does not by default WordPress um, major versions do not auto auto update. So yeah, you're right. So this this changes they won't be rolled out immediately um, in WordPress. With that said, historically, like we have data that shows that like within a month of a new WordPress release, at least at least around fifty percent of all WordPress sites are usually on that version. So it is, it is, so like the first, it's very hard to, it's almost impossible to reach 100% even after years and years. But, but we, we, the latest version is always relatively quickly used by a considerable amount of WordPress sites. So there, I think while we cannot, like, while this still limits us from getting those latest enhancements to, yeah, every site out there, I think, I think it does have impact. It does have already widespread impact very quickly. So I this is I I definitely see this as a valid concern, um, and WordPress has actually done quite a bit in the last few years to make to facilitate auto updates um, more, like make it it's now easier than before to yeah to configure automatic updates even for WordPress versions, but also for plugins, which before wasn't as straightforward, but it's still not it's still not the configuration by default. I have to say that 50% in a few months is a lot better than I thought. So yeah, it, it definitely does seem that WordPress is making significant steps there to improve the process. 
yeah so like yeah it does it there's still it's definitely a problem it's definitely a problem when it comes i think it's more of a problem when it comes to like fading phasing out certain old technologies that's where that's where the that, that's where the slow rate of updating at some becomes becomes a problem like for example, again, when we speak about when we speak about PHP version support, the policy I think the policy is basically like we should only we should still support all the PHP versions until less than one percent of WordPress sites is on them or something like that or two percent. I, I forgot the exact threshold right now, but so that of course means that of course means there's there's always a, a bunch of sites out there which maybe are not even used anymore, but they still but they still count towards this towards these numbers. So I think for the I think it's a bigger problem, like the, the update rate of WordPress, I think it becomes, it's a more significant problem when it comes to phasing out old technologies rather than introduce or rolling out the new features, essentially. Well, for long years, a long time, that's been a problem in the JavaScript world. I mean, you know, polyfills exist because, you know, we, we always have a problem with phasing out the older technologies on the web. But it seems with the evergreen browsers that we're, you know, finally kind of putting this behind us to an extent, even though, you know, Safari is blocking you from putting in WebP. <laughs> but be that as it may, hopefully you find you guys find a proper solution for uh, PHP as well. We are actually, yeah, we are actually not, we are not blocked by Safari. So we are, we, I think that the amount of, the amount of Safari usage, which doesn't support WebP at this point, is only about is less than two percent, according to the research that we did. So, and we we found we're basically so we we built a, a mini kind of polyfill, but not really. Like we built some mini mini JavaScript um, snippet, which is loaded in in those Safari sites where it's not supported to replace back the WebP images with JPEG. Okay, so we're running out of time here. Um, we might. have I know uh, Felix ran out of time because he got booted from his conference room. <laughs> so before we move on to picks, real quick, if anybody wants to jump in and help you with WordPress performance and in your community, how can they do that? Yeah, so I think the best, our, our new entry point, since we now are an official WordPress team, we now have a website make.wordpress.org slash performance. So this is just, this site was just created about a month ago, so it's not full of content yet, but it is the entry point already and links to all the other places from there that are relevant. So I think that's the best place to find us. We have meetings on in the WordPress Slack every uh, Tuesday morning Pacific time. It's, it is, I think it's just 15 UTC, wherever whatever that is for you in the world. That is every Tuesday at 15 UTC. We have meetings on, on WordPress Slack. Um, and if you... Yeah, if you're new to WordPress, but you would and you would like to join, you can go to chat.wordpress.org to create to create an account there. So yeah, we would love uh, even I mean anybody, even if even people from outside the WordPress community, um, it would be great to have have new folks from also other communities involved there. Especially because I think a lot of a lot of people from the WordPress community, yeah, we have we we are all living in this bubble a little bit, and it's great to have outside feedback and outside uh, input. Especially from, uh, for example, yeah, people with more more um, solid JavaScript uh, background. Excellent. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build 
relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Alrighty, with that, we will move on to picks. Picks are things that we like to talk about or that we're doing that may have to do with tech, may not have to do with tech. It all depends on the person. So we'll start with AJ. Thank you, because I You're actually welcome. have to go here shortly. So I, I've got a few things to pick. One of them is this hilarious Seinfeld NPM meme mashup, and I can't really describe it, but it it's just a scene from Seinfeld, but it's replaced with them talking about using a package on NPM and then ends up with Kramer, you know, saying something about re- remote code execution and, and then Jerry just being thrown off his rocker. Anyway, it's just kind of a funny little gif where it, it goes through a scene from the show and then it's uh, it's got different captions. And then from that, I found out that there's this whole thing called Festivus.dev that has dozens of these Seinfeld technology mashups. Because we were talking about security and, and how important it is, I think that it's not secure unless it's convenient. If it's difficult for people to do, you have to make it easier to do the right thing than to do the wrong thing or even nothing at all. And so one of the simplest things you can do, of course, is just have HTTPS, which just about everything does these days, thank goodness, thanks to Let's Encrypt and Zero SSL and uh, web servers like Caddy. So I wanted to pick Caddy because it is, I mean, hopefully people aren't still using Nginx and Apache and Light, Lighty and ancient servers like that developing modern applications. But I know that it often takes a long time for a dinosaur to edge out of the industry. So if you haven't been using Caddy, check it out because it is... The simple, easy, easier than doing nothing at all solution. It even supports HTTPS on local development so that you don't get stuck in one of those problems where things seem to work on local hosts, but then when you push it to a secure site, everything breaks because you actually had you know, bad links or whatever. You can you can actually test the, the HTTPS in, in local as well. And then I'm also going to pick Ryan and I's project, webinstall.dev. It's been gaining a ton of traction, lots of stars on github lots of people have opened issues uh, for various niche edge cases that we fix it's this is how to install your developer tools so whether it's node or dino or flutter or things like ripgrep and jq or prettier your vim development other tools like caddy etc this is just how to get things installed quickly and easily and, and basically be able to script installs so that it's convenient and secure and fast and easy to remember because it's just webinstall.dev slash whatever the name of the thing is. But we updated it so that now all of the scripting is done in POSIX shell rather than bash, which means that now it'll work on the default Alpine Linux image. And now I have to go. I'm taking my daughter to preschool, so I will catch y'all later. Adios. Adios, AJ. Bye-bye, AJ. All right, Dan, you're up next. Okay, cool. So I have a couple of picks as well. My first pick is that we've watched the final episode of Better Call Saul, such an amazing TV series, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best TV shows ever. 
For those of you who have not watched it, I can't recommend it enough. The, the only challenge being that you have to, you kind of have to watch Breaking Bad ahead, which is in itself is an awesome and amazing and one of the best TV shows ever. But still, you're talking about all in all something like 12 seasons if you, if you haven't watched any of it and you want to watch it from start to finish. But like I said, probably the best, some of the best TV ever. So that would be my first pick. My second pick, I think I picked it last week. I don't remember. But anyway, I'm so excited about it that I'll pick it again anyway, is the fact that I'm going to be speaking at uh, at uh, Web Directions Summit Conference in Australia, in Sydney, Australia, on the 1st and 2nd of December. Uh, I've never been, so I'm extremely excited about going there for the first time. Also, my wife will be joining me and we'll probably take something like a three-week vacation to tour Australia afterwards. In other words, it's going to be awesome. Uh, what I'm going to talk about there, by the way, is kind of related to what we talked about today, only instead of comparing the performance of CMSs, I'll be comparing the performance of various JavaScript frameworks using data from Crux uh, based on the core web vitals collected from the field. So if you're wondering which framework has the best performance, real-world performance, rather than some uh, lab uh, contrived lab test, then you want to join me in Sydney to find out. So uh, that's, that's my second pick. And my final pick is that same set pick that I pick each and every week, which is the ongoing war in Ukraine, which on the one hand is kind of getting banal because we're getting used to it. We're kind of desensitized to it. But on the other hand, hundreds of people are literally dying every day because some people are just evil. And I, I totally wish that this would somehow end. And if there's anything you can do to help the people in need, then please do so. And those would be my picks for today. Okay, I will go next to save our guest for last. Best for last guest. Depends on how you look at it, I guess. So first of all, I have a, I guess you would say, a legitimate pick article I came across on Hacker News. And I know that bacon is a favorite food of quite a number of people, not exactly the healthiest food, but it's still a favorite food for a lot of people. I love my bacon. And it's an article about entitled, A New Vertical Farm Will Grow 3 Million Pounds of Mycelium a Year for Fungi-Based Bacon. So it's another one of those, how do you call it? I don't know, say fake food or growing something that tastes like bacon that really wasn't bacon, and you're growing it from fungus. Vegetarian uh, bacon, I guess. Yes. And apparently the cool thing about this particular fungi that they are using is that it can be easily manipulated to have different properties be more prevalent than others or so on. You know, of course, my response whenever I hear somebody talk about uh, fungi is that there's a fungus among us, but uh, just can't resist that one. So anyway, moving past fungi and bacon, we'll get to the my dad jokes of the week. I have always not always semi-interested in science and some aspects of science more than others. And I was reading recently about a new element that had been discovered. And what it does is it makes people around it very serious, but it's no joking matter. Okay. <laughs> right, right. So last night, you know, I have an alarm system and all that at my house, but a guy broke into my house and was looking for money. So I got up and looked with him. I have to tell you, Steve, that when I saw when you posted that joke on, on Twitter, I have to tell you that there's like 
an old Jewish joke that it's basically the same one. And it's like, uh-huh. it, like I read it in, in a book where it was supposedly like at least 100 years old. So, so just so you know that this is an ancient joke. Oh, yes. I'm always a fan of the classics. I just think of it as it, as it may be new to the people that are hearing it for the first time, even though it's been around for a while. So it's new to you. And then finally, I am working, you know, in my day job and side hustles. I'm working on making my second million dollars. That's only because I gave up on the first. Good luck, Never made the first million dollars. Yes, thank you. Uh, I need a lot of luck, let me tell you. All right. So with that, we'll pass it off to Felix. Felix, what do you got for us? Mm, it's It's a challenge to come up with the picks. But well, I this weekend, first I want to highlight, I watched a new relatively new movie called Prey. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's like a new movie from this ancient Predator movie series. And Yes, I've heard about su- it. haven't seen it. It was surprisingly amazing. Like, I have been kind of a fan of this series, but I, but except the old very first movie, none was, nothing was really good. But this new movie, it, it was amazing. It's very, it's a nice, it's a, it's a really cool idea because they kind of move the whole premise of this series back 300 years to uh yeah comanche backgrounds like there is it's in yeah like 300 years ago in i think somewhere in i don't know exactly where it is i think somewhere in north of the u.s or even south of canada something like that and yeah this predator comes comes there and it's a very different it's a very atmospheric kind of slow suspense movie which is Maybe almost better than the original to me. You can't be better than Arnold. <laughs> Arnold Aldibach. That's my terrible impression. <laughs> yep. So that that was, uh, I really enjoyed that this weekend. Then what else do I have? Well, you don't have to come up with something if you don't want to. One I, is fine. Oh, yeah one, yeah. one thing I just love to see last week is apparently, I had no idea, but I, I stumbled on Twitter across... Uh, Across some person, a man jumping down 25,000 feet out of a plane without any parachute. Yes. That was like mind blowing to me and just landed in some massive net, which reminded me immediately, which immediately made me think of me being eight years old and watching cartoon movies where people fall off a cliff and just bounce back up or something. Like, <laughs> I, I remember that old, uh, I think it was a Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's like crashing yes. with a plane and then just before he hits the ground, he pulls the handbrakes uh, and manages to stop the plane just before it hits the ground or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. But yeah, this seeing this video was like, oh, wow, it's almost becoming real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that was a few years ago when that happened. I can remember when when that actually happened. That's just oh, yeah, I, that's I had crazy. no idea. I had no idea that that had happened until last week. It, it was somewhere posted somewhere on Twitter. Excellent. Uh, All right. So with that, we will wrap up. Felix, if people want to uh, contact you, other than what you mentioned before through WordPress group, how else can they get a hold of you? Or would you um, rather they not get a hold of you? Uh, no, definitely. Uh, feel free to. Ping me, message me. I'm any anywhere like on pro- most pro- most probably the best platform to catch me is Twitter or GitHub. But almost anywhere, my username is my full name all to all together, Felix Arns. And uh, yeah, my only username that's different is uh, on WordPress.org, where I'm called Flixos90, which is kind of Flixos is my nickname when I was a kid. So yeah, Felix Arns on Twitter or GitHub, or you'll also find me on Flixos90 in WordPress world. Excellent. Dan is Dan Shapir on Twitter. Double P. Uh, be prepared to, 
Double P. S H A P P I R. Correct. Be prepared to use the translate link in your oh, tweets. Oh no, sometimes. we talked about that. Yeah, it's only, <laughs> no, it's only when I reply to political tweets in in uh, in Hebrew where when I can't contain myself, but I try to keep it to a minimum. Oh no, I've seen some responses to technical and programming type stuff to some questions out there too mm. in your responses. So. Anyway, I am Wonder95 on Twitter if you want to see the dad joke of the day. It's usually five or six days a week, maybe not seven, but you get the dad joke of the day there. And we are JS Jabber on Twitter as well or topendsdevs.com. So thank you to Felix for coming and talking about performance in WordPress. And we will talk at you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.